Section 7 of Mrs. Diamond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Mrs. Diamond by Anne Isabella Thackeray Ritchie. Book 1, Chapter 7 In the Dawn. If thou wilt ease thine heart of love and all its smart, then sleep, dear sleep. Beddoes. Everything was very homely in the bare little room, and quiet as the peaceful slumbers of its young inmate. Her work lay folded on a chair, her black cloak hung against the wall, the nosegay her little brother had picked for her was in a glass upon the window sill. The window was half open to the garden that looked gold and gray and chill in the faint keen dawn. The shadows heaped in the corner began to tremble as the faint light came creeping quietly. The round eye of the little looking-glass seemed to twinkle and wink. The light spread from ridge to ridge. It reached the gilt crown above the bed at last, which seemed to awaken and to give out faint thrills of light. Susie lay sleeping, unconscious of it all, and dreaming of the tranquil orthodoxies of her past. The present was too strange and new as yet to dream of. Her mother's face seemed the only familiar thing in its tangled perplexities. There is a picture of Sleeping St. Barbara by Paul Veronese in the National Gallery, which is not unlike Susie as she was then. The angel appears bearing the cross, and the maiden dreams on with a peaceful countenance, not afraid of that which is before her. So lay Susie, unconscious and tranquil. With the first faint streak of daylight, some birds began to awaken in the garden with faint strings and chirps. Then came a faraway knocking that reached the girl in her dreams as from some other world. Then she started up suddenly, confused. She had heard a step on the gravel just outside her window which roused her. She sat up in bed and listened. Everything was very still, very serene. She could see the garden through the half-open window. It seemed asleep still, though the birds in the treetops were waking. A few white stars were throbbing through the dawning mists. Susie was confused. When she awoke, some feeling was in her mind that she must get up and let in the person who was waiting outside. Perhaps her mother was asleep, tired out, had not heard the summons. She jumped up, wrapping herself in her warm dressing gown and slipping on her red slippers. There was light enough for her to grope her way. She opened the door and came to the head of the stairs and looked over. The little staircase led down by a single flight to the front door, and as Susie stood leaning over the banisters, she saw a figure carrying a light and cautiously descending, and with sudden relief, for she had been vaguely frightened, she saw that it was her mother. Mrs. Marney was dressed, and she was cautiously unlocking and unbarring the bolts of the door. As it flew open, it let in a rush of cool, keen air, and then out of the sweet morning, with its thousand delicate scents and fragrances, through the tender light breaking so suddenly into the darkened house, came a figure slouching and heavy-footed, reeling as it advanced, a dark, forbidding figure that Susanna might have fled from had she met it in some lonely place. She heard her mother whisper, "'Oh, Michael!' and then it seemed to her the heavy eyes were raised and met hers. There came a dull, thick utterance, an oath. 
are you both watching me d u is not one enough said the voice and then susie saw an upraised hand and heard the sound of a heavy blow and a low suppressed cry the girl started forward she ran half down the stairs and stood with the dawn in her face like some avenging angel how dare you she cried out incoherently but at that moment she met her mother's appealing glance and saw the poor hands held up with an entreating sign there is some strange intuition which flashes quicker than words or even than looks and as susanna stood there shivering with passionate anger she felt somehow that her mother's one agonized wish was that she should not interfere go please darling reached her in a whisper for a moment she stood scarcely able to obey and then with a great effort she turned slowly away but she could scarcely stand as she went back into her own room and sank down upon her bed and hid her face such horror such indignity had never entered into her mind before the quiet home in which she had lived hitherto had been far removed from such terrors as these in the holy commonplace of her past life the possibility of such misery as this had not occurred to her and now the wretched secret was hers and now susie knew why she hated her stepfather the dawn turned into day susie still sat there she was shivering but she did not know it the door opened at last but she did not look up someone came in are you not gone back to bed susie said her mother in a faint sharp voice it will not help me much if you make yourself ill then melting suddenly my poor darling my poor child i would have hidden it from you if i could she said he is not often so dear and i'm used to his ways and oh susanna said the poor thing there's many a worse man than my poor michael with all his faults you are my own child but you are not his and you can't understand how long i have loved him poor susie what could she say every word her mother spoke sank into her heart it did not lessen her loyal trust and tender fealty but it made her feel more and more as if they were apart lie down child her mother went on and let me cover you go to sleep darling and susie suddenly yielding and obeying like a child and feeling by instinct that this was best did as she was bid and lay down and let her mother cover her over warm what could she say what could she do the little room was alight by this the birds were in full song a distant roll of wheels had begun there was a sound of people stirring about mrs marney went to the window and drew the curtain across to dim the light then she came back and sat by the girl's bedside and susie worn out fell asleep at last still holding her mother's hand and by doing so comforted her more than by any words or tender devotion the poor much-tried woman's heart swelled with tender maternal pride as she sat watching by the girl scheme after scheme passed through her mind as she sat by susie's bedside tenderly as she loved her she longed for her girl to go from them what chance of happiness could there be for susie in this sad home for herself at least there existed a reality that carried her through its trials but for susie what interest could there be mary marney was not a bad woman she was not a very good one she would do a friend a good turn she would pluck feathers from her bleeding breast for michael and the children when she sent her susanna away for the first time it was with anguish in her heart but it seemed to her that it was best and now again she could not bear to see her child unwelcome she could not endure the thought of her susanna watching day by day that which she herself would fain conceal even from herself 
learning little by little the whole miserable gamut of a life such as Marnie's. The girl's presence seemed to drive him to wilder courses, to irritate him. He seemed scarcely himself at times, or was it that, with Susanna looking on, Mary could the less easily blind herself to the life which Marnie was leading. Then Mrs. Marnie thought of the Colonel, of his kindness, of his friendliness, of his comfortable home and good connections. Ah, if only she could see her Susie safely landed in such a home. She slipped her hand softly away from the young, loving clasp and crept from the room, closing the door very softly. The girl did not awaken till late in the day when some burst of military music from the high road recalled her to life and sunshine and the sorrow of the night. End of section 7